When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. A couple of minutes away from the opening face-off in Toronto. It's Game 5, Canadians and Flyers. You know the story. The Flyers are up 3-1 in the best of seven. Tonight at Rogers Place, 8.30 start. It's the Canucks and the Blues. The series tied 2-2, but the Blues have grabbed the momentum with a couple of victories. The Bruins advance. 2-1 win over the Carolina Hurricanes, so they take that series in five. The Avalanche looking exceptional, a 7-1 crushing of the Arizona Coyotes. That series is over. The Avalanche take it four games to one. And earlier today... Good job. Shattenkirk in the lightning near corner. Scoops it high in the air out to center ice. Savard gloves it down and clears it to center ice where Shattenkirk is there to intercept and sweep it back in. Corpusalo connects with Savard around the far side. Not out. Kucherov in front. Point. Score! Score! Braden Point again! And the Lightning win it! They win the series! They win game five! Five four in overtime! Wow. Dave Mishkin, the call on the Lightning Radio Network. That one a lot shorter than the game they had earlier in the series. Braden Point, 5-12 in overtime. The Lightning rally in that one. Shattenkirk at 12-01 of the third. Sorelli at 18-22 of the third. And then they take it in overtime to take the series four games to one. So uh, four teams could have been eliminated today. Three of them have been. Montreal now trying to stay alive. They're into the anthems in Toronto. And, of course, we'll keep you updated. Now, after that Lightning Blue Jackets game, here was head coach John Tortorella postgame. You guys fell down 2 nothing, And then after that, it's one of the most dominating stretches of play that you've had in this postseason. Are you guilty then of playing the clock there in the final eight minutes? No. Two goal lead? No. They had three shots. Next question, Neil McHale, Inside Hockey. Hey, John, I know it's hard after a serious loss to really compress your thoughts, but what has this whole experience been like being in the bubble, you know, being so close to your players, you know, working with them on a day-to-day basis, and just mentally seeing them come back after a pause at times that have been unlike any, you know, human. You know what, guys? I'm not going to get into the touchy-feely stuff and the moral victories and all that. You guys be safe. All right, that was John Tortorella today. He is very interesting, and I think very confounding. Sometimes you listen to John Tortorella talk, at least for me, and I think to myself, this is the most interesting man in hockey. He'll give eloquent answers. He'll give complete answers. He'll give thoughtful answers. He'll offer insight that I hadn't thought of. He's, uh, he sometimes takes things uh, down maybe a different or unexpected path and shows a little bit of personality and interests away from the game. And then often, though, he gives you those. And, uh, you know, his little feud with Brooksy from the New York Post aside, th- those types of answers like he gave today, I, I find really frustrating. 
And quite frankly, I, I find quite inappropriate. Now, I want you to hear me out here because I know some of you are thinking, oh, okay, well, Reed is a, a media person who asks questions and he doesn't you know, like it when someone gives those types of answers. On one level, that's true, but I want you to think about this on another level. When John Tortorella or somebody like that is, is speaking and being interviewed, he's in that situation, he's really talking to fans of the Columbus Blue Jackets. So, sure, there are, are, are people like me who are broadcasters and media people who are asking those questions and are hoping to get information about the game, his thoughts or feelings about the game and the series and the season ending and all that kind of stuff. But when he does that, what he's really saying is, I don't have time to talk to my fans right now because I'm pouting that we lost and our season is over. That, that's really what he's doing. And that's that to me, that's the confound. I mean, Dave Tippett didn't do that when the Oilers lost. Yeah, he was he was upset. You know, maybe he didn't want to answer uh, every question, but for the most part, he was thoughtful. He uh, answered as completely as he could. You know, he respected that part of his job was to go out there and do that. Uh, and again, in that situation, and when we have all those interviews for you often live after Oilers games all season long. Uh, he's talking to all of you who want to know what happened, what the coach was thinking, what he thought about a certain play in the game, why he made a specific decision. Um, I mean, I, I think it was Ryan Rashog asked to tip it after the last game. Why was that line not together? Nugent Hopkins, Yamamoto, and Dreisaitl. And Tippett didn't say, ah, oh, you know what, I'm not going to get into my decisions right now. Sorry, stay safe. He gave an answer. He, he gave his thought process. Yeah. You may not agree with it, but as coach of the team, he gave his thought process. So, I, I, you know, I know Tortorella can be better than that, and I know he can be smarter than that. And I just feel, uh, not just as a media person, but as a, as a fan of hockey, it it, it just kind of is a, is a lousy way to come across. You know, like, yeah, you know, your season ended, but there's a lot of bad stuff going on, and hockey and watching sports is a, is a release and a distraction for a lot of people. So maybe give him a little bit more than just saying, I'm not going to get into it and, and stay safe. Jordan Tortorella, he sort of reminds me of the brooding boyfriend in a, in a teen novel. You know, like he's, he's, the, he's the guy, he's the, he's the star basketball player. And then when his team loses a game, you know, he's, he's just sitting out on a park bench by himself you know, maybe having a cigarette back in the days when kids smoked in high school. And, uh, you know, is he's of course, he's got like these girlfriends, the sweetest girlfriend in the school, uh, you know, and of course he doesn't appreciate her. And she's like, he's like, John, do you want to talk about the game? He's like, no, Amanda, I don't want to talk about it right now. Season's over. Leave me alone. Because, of course, her name is Amanda. I mean, that's the perfect high school girlfriend name. That, that's sort of who John Tortorella is to me. He's, he's, the, he's, the, he's the brooding boyfriend in the young adult novel. Not, not that I know firsthand. I mean, I haven't read uh, many of those and stuff. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is Inside Sports on Oilers and EE Radio 630. Chad, my name is Reed Wilkins. Canadians and Flyers underway about a minute and a half into the game. No scoring. We'll keep you updated on that, of course. Mark Kohan is the former commissioner of the Canadian Football League. We've talked to him before. Very thoughtful. He'll have some insight coming up after 630. And we are scheduled tomorrow to be joined by the current commissioner of the CFL, Randy Ambrosi. And that is the headline story this week that uh, there won't be a CFL this year. And we'll talk about that a little bit more tonight. I, I also uh, 
wanted to talk. Oh, and by the way, I'm happy to hear from you this evening. Open line, text line, same number, 780-496-0063. Uh, we'll always appreciate your comments if you have time to chime in. So, I was seeing that uh, some people were kind of jokingly talk about talking about this blowout today. The Avalanche, they just crushed the Coyotes 7-1. It was 6-0 after two periods. They got a, they got a goal in the third. And, and some people are comparing it to the, I don't even know what to call it, the, the controversy to me seems, well, go with controversy, though I don't think it's actually controversial. Uh, so Fernando Tatis Jr. earlier this week for San Diego on Monday hit a grand slam in the eighth inning. So to me, that's like good. The uh, the hitter did his job. So some in the baseball world, and I assume the sports world, were upset uh, because it was a 3-0 pitch, and he homered, and he put the Padres up 14-3. So it was 10-3 in the eighth, and they went up 14-3. Montreal has just scored, by the way, to go up one nothing. so they finally get a goal. And it's uh, so many people are talking about the unwritten rules of sports. The unwritten rules of sports. And when I hear this kind of thing, I just think that is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. I mean, Elaine Vigneault uh, threw some stuff at the Canadians when they won that game 5 nothing, and said, oh, I, you know, Kirk Muller, why does he have his number one power play out there late in the game when they're already ahead? And Kirk Muller responded to that and said, we don't have a lot of practice time. I want the power play to be sharp. I got to have those guys out there on the ice. Now, I do think there is room for being uh, a gentleman in sports. And I do think there are circumstances in games where, okay, maybe you're winning a hockey game 6-1 with three minutes left and you get a power play. And instead of putting your power play out, you just put out the next line, right? But everybody's professional. I mean, I, when, when I hear somebody talk about running up the score, I look at that from the other way and say, well, what about the losing team? Why didn't they, why didn't they play a little better? And would that not embarrass them for the other team to take the foot off the gas and say, Oh, Hey, you know, we're not going to try. We'll just kind of let you crawl. I don't know. I, I just don't think there's anything room for that. I, I think if, if you can win the game, if you can win it by a lot, then, then go for it. If the guy can't get you out, if he throws a meaty pitch now, sure, maybe on three and oh, well, you should take that pitch. Look, if I'm Fernando Tatis Jr., and trust me, I'm not, but why give away an at bat? So if you're a fan of the of the Padres and the next game Tatis Jr. goes 0 for 4, and in his postgame interview, he says, uh, well, you know what? I, I didn't have my timing today. I let my foot off the gas in that in that last at bat yesterday. We were blowing them out, and that just seemed to throw me off today. You wouldn't want to hear that. So I, I don't buy that in pro sports. I don't buy that in most level of sports. If somebody just texted in by that logic, Gretzky wouldn't have scored half his points. Yeah, I mean, in the 80s, I mean, 10-4, whatever, Levi from the fort says, this is the big leagues, you play to the last whistle. I agree. And here's another way to look at this. I, I, now, I do think amateur sports are somewhat different. It's, you know, high school, junior high, that age group especially because you're going to have large disparities between teams. Obviously, in, in high school, for example, a team with a lot of grade 12s should beat a team with a lot of grade 10s. But I remember, you know, when I worked in Lloyd Minster, uh, Lloyd Comp had a football team. Well, they still do. And they 
they would usually have a pretty good team. They were the largest school in the league. They wouldn't win the league every year, but there, there were usually a couple teams in the league they would beat quite uh, badly. And I remember talking to their coach once. And I said, how do, you, how do you handle it? Like you're up, you know, 42 nothing at halftime or, or, or whatever. You know, like you're, the other team is clearly overmatched. He, he said, how do you handle I said, how do you handle that? And I, and I realize this is high school. I'm talking about high school now, not the pros. But I, what this coach told me always stuck with me. He said, first of all, he said, the starters always play the first half of the game. They're the guys, you know, they're usually the grade 12s that had to sit on the bench in grade 10 and grade 11. This is their year to play. And they've taken all the, the first team reps at practice. And we, we still have game plan for an opponent, no matter what, no matter whether we thought we were going to beat them badly or not. They get the first half. And they are expected to execute the plays that we have designed and that are called. So if they lead the touchdowns, they lead the touchdowns. They are expected to execute. So it's 42 nothing at halftime. He said, I'm going to take those players out. You know, I'm going to take my star players out. They can rest, but they deserve at least half the game. So then he said, now I'm putting in uh, the, the grade 10 player, say as a running back, and that is probably going to be his only opportunity to play that season. And he might get two or three handoffs in the, in the second half of that game. I cannot tell that player, hey, buddy, if you get an opening, take a knee. He said that, that player, one day he's going to be the starter. I want to know what it feels like for him to touch the ball, get tackled, be in a game, even if it's a little bit of experience. So he said, I, he goes, I'll take my starters out, but I can't put my subs in and then tell them not to execute the plays. Right. So that's so if you wind up winning, and I remember Lloyd Comp once did win a game 77 nothing. And the first half was a blowout, and the second half was almost as much as a blowout. But I mean, that's a good point. As a coach, you can't you can't tell your players, hey, hey, buddy, here's some playing time. I, I know as a grade 10, this is gonna be the biggest moment of your life. You know, you're gonna be a starter in two years, but I know that feels a long way away. I, I can't put that grade 10 player in and then somehow say, Well, you, you can't go for it. So anyway, just some uh, just some random thoughts. Dean says, as a pitcher, if you pitch three balls, you know the batter is expecting something with, coming with a little off and over the plate. That's on the pitcher who put himself in that position. Fair game, blast away. That is from Dean. Leonard says, Reed, if you play sports and I played at a competitive level of hockey, you play and play hard. I don't care if it's 15-1. If I had a chance to make it 16-1, I did. Unwritten rules, give me a break. Yeah, I agree, Leonard. I mean, I think there certainly in some ways might be a measure of respect, but you can't, you can't, you can't tell players just, just to back off. Uh, Eddie says, uh, John Tortorella is correct. Reporters are just looking to ride him or get him to say what they think they should hear. You are offside. No, I don't think I am, Eddie. I think he should answer questions. Another texture says, torts for the good and the bad is one of a kind. 780-496-0063. couple more of your texts I want to get to when we get back. Well, what's this one, Kellen? This is this is War by Vandenberg by our buddy Roadhammer. 
Okay, great. We got a couple of other interesting requests on the text line, including a little bit of leopard. Coming up later so this hour. We will, we will get to those later this hour. Mark Cohan, former commissioner of the CFL, will uh, check in as well. Uh, text here is 7804960063. This texture said, uh, Reed, you said back when kids. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Smoked in high school. This implies they don't anymore. Uh, I hope that texture is joking. Larry says, hi, Reed. Why didn't we hear from Tippett and more players after the series and not just after the game? That is from Larry. Yeah, Larry, good question. Uh, I think... Well, part of it I was a little bit surprised about, and I think part of it was because of how things were different during the pandemic. Uh, Tippett obviously spoke after the game. That was a couple Fridays ago. I guess it's going to be two weeks ago on Friday. Ken Holland did his year-ender the following Tuesday. Now, usually, I I think every year I have done it, at least when the Oilers have had a full-time coach. Well, even Hitch did one last year, I believe, and he wasn't you know, likely to be back as coach. I think he still did one. Uh, I, I was surprised there wasn't something with Tippett. And originally we were told that that was going to be it for the players, but then last Friday, Nurse Yamamoto and McDavid spoke. Now, usually there would be greater access to players at the end of the year, Larry, on quote-unquote garbage bag day. So I, I think that there, the reason there weren't more players uh, init- or more, weren't more players available is simply because of, um, you know, we can't go into the dressing room and, and go up to guys and get one-on-ones and things like that. It would, it, I, I agree. It would have been nice to hear from Tippett and a few more players. Um, I, I'm not – so I, I think that's why there weren't more players available. I'm not sure why Tippett didn't do a year-ender his uh his talk after the final game was pretty complete i thought there's always room to follow up and certainly in this market there's always interest in hearing from the coach but uh hope that sort of answers your question larry ken says reed i have the same issue towards the unwritten rule of the blackjack table at casinos you're supposed to hit or hold at certain cards to help the rest of the table beat the dealer from my perspective, if I don't know the strangers at the table, why should I help anyone but myself? Blackjack is an individual game, not a team game, right? That is from Ken. Well, and Ken, sometimes you could make a off, uh, you know, go off the books, and then that could actually wind up instigating a sequence of cards that helps everybody. So fair enough. Oh, I didn't think we'd be talking about blackjack on the show tonight. All right, we're going to take a timeout. Canadians up one nothing halfway through the first period as they try to stay alive against the Flyers. Armia got the goal shorthanded just 2.53 into the first period. We're back after the news. Montreal leading Philadelphia 1-0, eight minutes left in the first period. 
We'll keep you updated on that one. The Canadians must win to force game six. Canucks and Blues coming up at 8.30 at Rogers Place. That series is tied 2-2. The Bruins finish off the Hurricanes with a 2-1 win. The Lightning rally and win in overtime. 5-4 the final. They take the series four games to one. And the Avalanche just phenomenal in that series. 7-1 to finish off the Coyotes. They take it four games to one. Tomorrow, the Islanders and the Capitals and the Stars and the Flames. My goodness, no daytime hockey tomorrow. The Islanders and the Capitals will play at 6. The Stars and the Flames will play at 8.30. Raptors won today 104.99 over Brooklyn. They lead that series two games to nothing. Al has written in to 780-496-0063. He says, I agree with what I consider the best football coach ever, say after one game where his Patriots ran it up on Tampa, he said, it's not my job to stop stop myself, it's your job to stop me. If you can't do that, it's not my problem. I love Belichick. That is from Al. Well, yeah, I mean, especially in pro sports. If you got a chance to score or make a play, I, I do not fault you for making it. And Al, I'm sure if, if Bill Belichick heard your text, he would be emotional. He'd probably say something like, thanks, Al, getting ready for the season. Yeah, but Bill, like Al loves you. How does it make you feel? Appreciate that from Al, thinking about the season. No, but like yeah, Al's a big fan of yours. Is there anything else you'd, you'd like to say to Al? Maybe some words of imp- imp- inspiration. Al, I hope you have a good time watching us this year. Well, Reed, remember this. Today's Friday. <laughs> There's Belichick. It's not even Friday. <laughs> it's two days from Friday, but two days. Today's two days from Friday. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, that is pretty good. Appreciate that, Al. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Yeah, I got to admit, I I thought more people would disagree with me. Or just the whole situation about the uh, the unwritten rules and running up the score it seems like everybody is uh, kind of on on the same page. And I'm sure, I, look, I, I'm sure many of you have uh, played or coached. Uh, I, I look, I know there's a wide variety of listeners. Some of you maybe played at a high level, or or you're like me, you never really did anything competitive beyond playing in high school and or or whatever. And, and you and you know there are some situations where you are really overmatching your opponent, and a coach can show leadership and respect. But again, you can't put your backup players on and say, okay, don't play your best. Something like, you know what it's like. If you were ever a grade 10 student on a, on a high school team, you probably didn't play very much or at all. So if you did get to play, you weren't going to go out there and, and loaf. You wanted to go out there and try to make plays and see if you've learned anything. So anyway, good feedback there. 780-496-0063. This is going to be good. The CFL has canceled the 2020 season. I always enjoy the perspective of Mark Cohan, who was the commissioner of the CFL from 2007 to 2015. Mark, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Well, it's always good to catch up. You know, it seems like we're always catching up on circumstances lately that are not always great, but um, it's always nice talking to you. Mark, my first question for a lot of people this week has just been their feelings and their thoughts when the finality of the decision came down on Monday that there wouldn't be a season. What was it like for you? You know, obviously, as a fan, as a former commissioner, obviously very saddened. Uh, but then I put my commissioner hat on, and I, I think it was absolutely the right decision. You know, the right decision for the safety of the players, the right decision for, um, you know, the fans wouldn't be in the stands, but for the safety of our fans. Uh, then ultimately, you know, it gives an opportunity for the league to pause, to step back, 
and to really think about the future. I mean, I think the last time a Grey Cup was canceled was 1919 during, during World War One and the Spanish flu. Um, you know, we've been through this before and I think we will overcome. It was interesting. Today I was wearing a CFL t-shirt and I also went to a Big Ten school. I was wearing the Northwestern Wildcats hat and I guess it was my day of mourning uh, today wearing both of those. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it for sure. A, a lot of a lot of discussion with the about this maybe being an opportunity. I, I talked to Len Rhodes last night, and he talked about how the NHL came out of 0405 where they lost the whole season, and he said maybe this is a chance for some new ideas and some innovation and some new energy for the Canadian Football League. I mean, you've been there, you've been behind the scenes, and and with owners and governors. Is there an opportunity here to say, okay, we need to take a deep breath and really re-examine? And when, what would you re-examine here if, if, if it was up to you in this situation? Well, I, I think you have to look at it a couple of things. I think you have to look at it and say, you know, there's no guarantee that 2021 that a season's going to start on time. So I think they have to play out a whole bunch of different scenarios for next year. Um, I think the most important thing they need to do is really sit down with the players and bring them to the table and, and talk about what this can mean. So, you know, next year, do you plan for potentially one or two hub cities um, in case, you know, obviously the pandemic goes on and there's not a vaccine yet and people can't gather, which, you know, a lot of the experts are saying it may might not be until 2022. So you look at those sort of things. You plan for a regular season uh, as well. But I would sit back and look and say, you know, uh, what are the challenges with our model? Uh, are there new things we can think about? Are there new playoff formats we can think about? Are there new rules we can think about? Um, are there, uh, do we have the right number of games? I'd look at everything um, and try and put that on the table and say, what do younger fans want today? What didn't we do? And I think this does give you the league time you know we're in the summer right now this would be the usually the middle of the season where you can't focus on anything because you're focusing on the gray cup and use that time to strategically think about what you can do randy ambrosi gave an interesting soundbite on monday and he said we may have to run the league differently and we may need a more cooperative ecosystem i thought that was a really interesting way to put it I don't want to sensationalize it, but it made me think, oh, who's not cooperating? Is, like, do, do all the franchises gel? Or, or are the different franchises looking out for the league and each other as well as themselves? Or, or how, what, would, what did that mean to you when Randy said that? You know, it, it's hard for me to assess that because, you know, I've been gone for almost five years now. But, you know, I think there's always people at the table uh, that some, I, I always loved like the Edmontons and Saskatchewan and the Bombers and some of the teams that were doing financially a little bit better because they had a holistic view of the league and how do we help out. Um, if, you're, if your team is under a little bit more stress, it can create an environment like, what are you doing for me today? But I think that comment probably has to do with, let's bring the, let's bring the, the, the owners together, let's bring the players together, let's bring our sponsors together, let's bring our TV partners together, let's bring the government together, let's bring the owner of the stadiums, you know, many of those stadiums are government-owned stadiums, and I think you have to look at the entire ecosystem, what Andy, what Randy is saying, uh, and make sure that everyone is, you know, singing from the ha- same hymn sheet uh, or playing from the same playbook. And if you can do that, 
that's where I think they can then start to think about what the future looks like. Yeah. Mark Cohan joining us tonight at Inside Sports, former CFL commissioner, just uh, weighing in on the league not having a, a 2020 season. Uh, I'm going to throw a couple other ones here at you. They're, I mean, they're hypothetical, but I, I think at this point we have to kind of discuss everything. Len Rhodes, who you know well, was on the show last night, and he said there are some leagues where there's one ownership group and each franchise kind of operates as, as a shareholder. Is that at all realistic and would it be helpful in the Canadian Football League? You know, I've actually thought of that model. Um, you know, and potentially do you bring in a TV partner in that? So if you look, about, you look about when Major League Soccer was started, it really was that central structure. There were a few team owners that owned multiple teams at the time, uh, like Phil Anschutz and the Hunt family and things like that. But I think, you know, over time, is that a model that could work? Um, where you actually create something where you have a central body, um, you have you know executives that run the teams, uh, and then you work out an agreement and how tr- players are transferred, how players are developed, and things like that. So, I think what what Len is basically saying is be creative in thinking about what the model is for the future, um, and then the question becomes who could do that. What type of partners you bring to the table and how does that structure sort of work if you had both community owned teams now that probably would never want to sell into something or you have an individual who believes my franchise is worth this and maybe it's only worth that. So I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, deep thinking that has to go into that. But that is, is one thing that I think the league could even consider. Yeah, that's that one really interests me. Len also brought up something else, and boy, oh boy, Mark, when you host a talk show, you get the immediate feedback from the listeners, and and uh, this one raised some eyebrows and dropped some draws, uh, dropped some jaws. So Len says the league has to be open to perhaps some sort of. Uh, affiliation or development model with the National Football League. I don't even know if the NFL is interested in having that sort of relationship with the CFL. Len even said if that happened, he'd go to four downs and adopt the American rules. So I don't know if your jaw's on the floor now or not. But <laughs> like, is, is, there, is there a realistic relationship with, with the juggernaut known as the NFL for the Canadian League? Well, listen, I, I had a good uh, relationship with their commissioner. Um, when I came in, it was quite interesting. You know, there had been an existing uh, formal relationship between the CFL and the NFL right when I'd come in and it had expired. And the owner said, go in and renegotiate a new deal. And at the time I said, I don't think we really need to, you know, we need to just focus on our league, not on the juggernaut, you know, south of the 49th parallel. And that was part of the internal discussion. I will say when I was involved in building the league, I often felt of myself as sort of Captain Canada and sort of you got to protect this great Canadian institution. Um, I would not be adverse. Now, that's a little bit different than what Len is saying, where it becomes a development league. I don't think that's the right approach. But I would think it would be interesting to sit down. The NFL is going to go through some major challenges. College sports is going through major challenges now on the football side. And football for the U.S. colleges is 80% of their revenue for these universities. You know, is there... Uh, an interesting collaborative way to bring a lot of different parties to think about what is the, the right model moving forward. But I will tell you, every other league has failed except, uh, you know, except the NFL and the CFL, you know, XFL, the leagues over time have failed. Um, I think, you know, it's worth 
having discussions, but I think I personally, I, I, I love the three down game and I think that's what makes our product unique and we should continue with that. And Mark, before I let you go, you're the expert on this and, and you always have such great perspective on everything. So, and, and you're talking to a lot of people in Edmonton and Northern Alberta who love the CFL, love the double E or, or whatever team they want to support. So I'll kind of leave it open to you in case I missed anything key or there's just a message you think fans need to hear today. You know, I think the most important thing for the CFL is people have been saying, is this the death knell of the CFL? Is the CFL over? And, you know, I sent out a tweet the other day and and I said, this is our league. You know, this league is successful because of the fans. This league is successful because of the thousands of listeners that you have who love the double E or love the riders or love the Argos or the Tiger Cats. And I think that is why this league will survive. It's because the families that generationally have come back to support it. However, I think the league is at an opportunity now where what do they need to think about that brings in the next generation? What is they need to think about in terms of business models and that? And I think anyone who's looking at continuing to invest in the league can feel satisfied because of our fan base. And, you know, as long as our fan base is there, as long as people continue to love this game, I think the, the league will be around for another 100 years. Well said. Mark, thanks so much for checking in today. Always appreciate your time. All right, great catching up. Thanks. That is Mark Kohan. He's the former commissioner of the CFL. He was in that role from 07 to 2015. And uh, looking back, I just know from from talking to some people around the league that I know that uh, they thought he did a pretty good job. Now, different circumstances. Randy Ambrosi is going through something pretty tough here. Uh, but I thought... Kohan was uh, was pretty clear in that interview. Now, look, it, it's one thing to say things have to change, and here's an opportunity to change. It's another thing to actually do it. I think the CFL's in an interesting spot here. They here's what I hope that they're they're not just going to sit around and sort of slide into the background for the next six to eight months or until uh, whenever they can announce what's going to happen in 2021 or a schedule or whether fans can attend, all those types of things that we have questions about. I thought Scott Milanovic on Inside Sports the other night, the head coach of the EEs, made a great point that he doesn't want the team to fade away in the community. He wants to come to town when he can and put on clinics or do school visits or or anything like that. So, But this is a chance, and, and, and uh, Kohan said it, are, are we playing the right number of games? I think the season's too long. Is there a, an opportunity? Len Rhodes touched on it yesterday. Kohan expanded on it for different ownership structure could maybe some teams keep their ownership they have maybe other teams are owned by the league or by uh, a, a common entity whether it's one person or a group of people and then there's a little more collective thinking when it comes to the good of the league kohan made a good point could a tv partner be involved in that obviously tsn airs every game could they actually have an ownership stake in the league and maybe that could, would change their outlook on things as, as well. I think Kohan gave us a lot to think about there. Uh, your thoughts are welcome. Open line text 780-496-0063. We're back after the break. to have you tuning in tonight this is a request kellen 
It is from uh, your buddy. Let me just double check who that is. Oh, yeah. Dave Leppard. Oh, good guy. All right, Canadians up 1-0 on the Flyers' first period in the books. We will keep you updated on that game. Montreal trying to stay alive. Not a lot of goal scoring in that series. Canadians finally getting on the board after a couple of shutouts. We're going to have a a pretty interesting dude coming up after the 7 o'clock news. His name is Frank Cosentino. Some of you may remember that name. He played for the Eskimos, as they were known then, in the 1960s. Uh, two-time Grey Cup champion, two-time Vanier Cup champ. He went into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame in 2018. Uh, I believe he's now 83 years of age. So uh, we will have an interesting chat with Frank Cosentino. Uh, Dave Campbell booked him for the show tonight, so that's pretty fun. We'll also touch base with John Walton, who's the play-by-play voice of the Washington Capitals. And he had, well, we'll talk about the Capitals, obviously, and their attempted comeback here against the New York Islanders. His his chair broke in the middle of calling play-by-play the other game. And I think he actually got hurt. It wasn't just a, a minor chair break. I think he, he got a little scuffed up in the incident. I get, we can laugh about it now. He is okay, but, uh, but we'll talk to him. John's always good to have on the show. Excellent conversation with Mark Cohan. Uh, love hearing from him on the topic of the CFL, the lost season, some of the places he thinks it should go. And, he thinks there is the opportunity to look at how the ownership works in the Canadian football league. And he referenced other leagues where you might have a group of people or one person owning several teams. And that helps the league collectively because they all have to look out for each other. So maybe, so each team would still be managed and coached individually and you'd have to have rules for trades and player development and all those types of things. Um, but from an ownership level, it might be a, a smaller group of people in the CFL, maybe less than nine, right? Totally just an example here, but maybe the, the community ownership situation stay in place in Edmonton, Saskatchewan and Winnipeg. And the league owns the other six franchises and, and they all work together to help everybody as a whole. Len Rhodes, the former president and CEO of the Eskimos, touched on that last night. One single ownership group for all nine teams or ten teams in the future where each team is a shareholder, but that there's only actually one ownership group. And there's examples of that in other leagues. And um, that would force everyone to say, oh, it's not just what happens with my bottom line. I'm going to be touched and, uh, and and influenced by what happens with all the other eight teams. Now, you heard me ask Mark Cohan about the possibility of NFL involvement in the CFL. And as Mark said, there have been the agreements in, in the past and the option year contracts and all that type of thing. But uh, Cohan says he wouldn't want to go as far as Len Rose suggested last night. I would keep the door open for an affiliation with the NFL as a development league so that there's authenticity and then if you do that change the rules so it's consistent that the game is played the same way north and south of the border oh really you thought yeah you'd have a you'd be willing to have a four down league in canada eh? i would if there was an affiliation with the nfl because i think fans younger fans in those big markets that we talked about would be really interested in if they knew that if their players did well they're going to end up with the bills tomorrow morning or with the packers and then they can identify with it. And then I think there's an authentic role for the CFL. Uh, we can't be a Me Too league. Then we're going to have to decide. We, I still say we. This is, the league's going to have to decide if they want to be positioned as an amateur football league or as a pro league. But the authenticity with the affiliation with the NFL would be awesome. 
630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.